Attention radio listeners. Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie. It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome into hour number two of Centers of Attention on ESPN Radio Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. I am Paulie Sebelia, back from my uh, travels around the world. Went to Clemson. I am joined by Danny and Rosie today. Atan out. Guys, how are we doing this uh, morning? I am very excited to uh, get to hang out with the original Roosevelt Bowie. And yes, I agree with the intro, best center in Syracuse history. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Danny. I, I mean, I, uh, did I hit you in the head too many times? And I, I hardly had any side effects from, from, your, from your elbows, Rose. I, I don't notice uh, really any, anything anymore. So, so, now so we're all I, good. So now if I start throwing out center's names, am I a jerk to Rosie if I start saying center's names and you guys can tell me where they rank in the, the higher? Better than if I say a name, you guys can shoot well, we me. Just to- go, well, with Rosie here, we just go 2 through 50, you know. That's all, so. <laughs> Ronnie uh, Cycli? Uh, top 20, for sure. <laughs> top 20 of all time. <laughs> That's hey, a dude, lot. Of- <laughs> Ronnie Cycli, I really like Ronnie. He's a real good player. Well, see, we have to remember, we're talking about Syracuse. You know, Ronnie, yes. I'll tell you, Ronnie did an amazing job of developing over his time uh, at Syracuse. Came in very raw and, um, uh, you know, but and developed into a terrific low post scorer. Obviously had a very successful NBA career. You know, Rosie came in. I mean, he was the first All-American uh, in the Jim Beheim era, right? I'm not blowing smoke. I mean, it's, you know, that's, uh, uh, I think you even won an SI cover once, weren't you, Rosie, with one of the college previews? Uh, I, I don't think the cover, correctly? I think I was on the centerfold. On the center, one of those, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be But as sick. far as, like, you were featured in a small group of, and, you know, yeah. Was it this pose, Rosie, in the centerfold, or was it, I, was like, I forget I was which like, pose it was. Exactly. Laying down with his hands on, with his chin on his fists. Oh, boy. Bearskin rug hey. and, uh, and, the, and the afro yeah. covering the important parts. But, uh, oh, boy. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, I mean, you know when, when I came in as a center, you know, it's, uh, you know, I was a, you know, pretty heralded, but not a... You know, was a you know like a top ten center in, in high school in the country at the time, and uh, you know, but like I said, Rosie was the first All American. Uh, obviously, a successful, you know, sixteen plus year professional career overseas. So, what's not to like? Of course, I still do have the longest pro career of any player out of, coming out of Syracuse. I'm you know, so I hope that's not the trivia question because I just gave the answer away. But uh, uh, hey, but well, between got, me and uh, Rosie, right? We got uh, what thirty thirty four, yeah, thirty four yeah. plus. Hey, I, I can tell you this one thing for sure, Danny. You, you, I, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, every time your mother came to practice, she would walk <laughs> over to me and she'd shake my hand and she goes, "Oh, you're just as big as my Danny, but not as pretty." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> Gotta love consistently. <laughs> Coming up uh, later in the show, guys. You guys mentioned it trivia. We've got two guys that have a lot of Syracuse basketball knowledge, and uh, for the rest of the day today, I uh, got my hands on some 
pretty hot items. We have Duke tickets to give away the rest of the day. They'll give away a pair uh-huh. on the Alan Griffin Show coming up next hour. You have to go out to Atilio's to win those. Then later in the day, we'll have another pair to give away. But next segment, not this segment, next segment, if you call in and uh, we'll do... Syracuse basketball trivia, and I will give the person on the phone the option of having Rosie answer, Danny answer, or they can answer a Syracuse basketball trivia question for tickets to the big Duke game on Saturday. Guys, going into a game like Duke as players, how, how do you block out the noise going into a game like that in the world? I know it's easy to focus on, but but there's more now. There's social media. There's... You know, you know, every game is on TV. How, how do they block that noise out and just focus on this like it's any other game? Well, I don't think you do block it out. Number one is they mark that schedule, uh, mark that date on the schedule from the day the schedule came out. Oh, we got Duke coming in on this day. We got, you know, where are the big games? And so I think that's something you build for. And, um, you know, when you're talking about a program that you know, started the year, you know, in a downtrend, they you know, had trouble winning games. Now they're playing with more momentum. I think they're more excited going into this game uh, just because of how they played the last two weeks. But, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, clearly you have to you know, get into game mode once you, you know, enter the arena, you know, day of. Uh, but before that, you know, I think, you, uh, like I said, they've been looking forward to this game since the day the schedule was announced. You know, that's an interesting question because it depends on the type of player. Like, for me personally, um, I always wanted to try to focus on, they were, I mean, think about it. Playing the, playing the center position, you make, one, you make one mistake and your man scores. You make a mistake at the guard position, you make a mistake here and there, you've got, you've got a little backup behind you. At the center, you've got to be pretty precise. So uh, I was pretty sure I had enough things to think about. My rotations, uh, letting everybody know who was picking up the man coming down the middle, which is myself. And then after doing that, box out, rebound. And then I wanted to beat my man down the floor. So there's a lot of things. And then then Coach Beheim gives you uh, things he wants you to key on. I tell you what, your head's going to be about this big because uh, there's a lot of things to remember. So it's very easy just to, for me, it was very easy just to focus on what was at hand. And that was making everybody lose that came up against us. And last thing, Paulie, before we move on, we're talking about this question. I think it's different for different players. The freshmen specifically are probably coming into this game a little more anxiety than Elijah Hughes or even Buddy having played against Duke last year. You know, probably the biggest game, uh, well, not probably, but even for the, for the freshmen, having 30-plus thousand in the, in the Dome for the first time, that's going to be a big thrill. So I think it's, you know, it's really settling in. Uh, you know, before the games, there'll be some nerves for the young guys coming out. And, uh, you know, but that's something uh, that, that goes away pretty quickly once the game starts. I want to ask you guys a couple zone questions, too. You guys just brought up the preparation for this game. Does playing zone make it easier to prepare for a team because you're not breaking down individual matchups, who you got to guard where and everything, where you've got to just do the same thing every game, basically, when you're playing zone? Well, not necessarily, because each team will have guys with different strengths. Uh, you know, for instance, these guys, you know, these are the two shooters you have to always keep an eye on. Or, uh, you know, in the case of Duke, having a physical guy inside is something that, you know, we've only seen a couple of times this year. So you certainly make adjustments. Uh, but, yeah, the individual matchups uh, you don't really have. But, uh, but you know, but there's, clearly there's guys you need to keep an eye on. When teams play us, right, Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard, the shooters, you got to keep eyes on those guys to you know where they are at all times. Same thing when we're playing defense. You know, the, the, the big thing is that you should know where the guys are on the floor that you're, you match up against 
regardless to whether it's a man-to-man or his own. Uh, so it's you need to understand what their strong points are because if you're if you're going out to play, man, if you got to close out, it's not really smart to close out on a guy in a neutral position because then he can go left, right, up, not go around you. Close out to him on his weekend, so it's good to know all this information. You close out to him on his weekend, then if you get beat, he's not quite as fast as he is if you close out on a strong hand. So it's the same. It's good to have the same amount of information. You just utilize it differently. And on the zones, you got to be very careful. What we used to do a lot is uh, somebody didn't like to go out to the corner very much. Me, so I would uh, I would go like uh, so so either Shaq or Lewis or. Or even Eddie, if he was in a rotate, if there was a guy in the high post, you know, they would we just rotate and just cover. That's the thing about his own. Coach gives you the parameters, but if if you guys talk, you can decide your own, you know, pick your own poison. I got another question about the zone for, for you guys. This uh, Kevin Mack dropped 32 points in the Clemson game. I'm going back to the Clemson game here really quick. Uh, the ball got to the free throw line relatively easily, and, and he was able to score. Coach Beheim in his post game press conference said that the center didn't do a good job in that situation. When you're watching that as a former player, is the ball getting there too easy? We we can all see that once the ball got there, he, uh, Barama was having a problem either stopping the shot or he was getting around him. But what about the ball getting into that spot that easily? Well, starting with Barama, he ended up giving too much space. So it, it opened up both the shot and the drive because now we had to be very reactive. And that's what Coach Bayham was referring to. Uh, you know, you don't want to give the ball in there. You can see uh, the way the rotations work. Uh, when the ball's, uh, you know, when the ball's on the wing, the weak side guard's supposed to be at that spot they call the nail. That's the center of the free throw line. So he can put a hand in and pressure that pass. When the ball swings, then you know that guard will rotate out, and and, and the other guard will come and you know get a hand in that spot. Uh, but now with the three-point line being such a weapon, it stretches those guard rotations out and opens up that exact spot, which is why Syracuse plays with their back line so much higher up than traditional. And uh, that's where that spot was becoming open because, uh, like I said, Brahma was playing a little bit too low. So on the catch, he either had to you know give up the shot or run at the shooter and then was giving up the drive. There, you know, he was uh, just playing a little bit out of position. And two steps makes, it, makes all the difference when you're talking about that position. Now, after the one thing I wanted to point out, Danny, do you realize that Paulie tried to get us to second-guess the Hall of Fame coach Jim Beheim on the air? And he'd think we didn't notice. First of all, Coach Beheim is always right because if you want to play, he's always right. Rule number he's two: the only opinion see that matters. rule number one. It's the only opinion that matters. See, it's if you know that's this is the deal. If Coach says this is what I want you to do, uh, it was pretty simple to me because anybody that anybody that looked at the basket with intent of scoring was mine. And my, that's it. Yeah, my that, question though line. was, my question though was, was yes, Tevin Mack was was scoring easily against the centers, but he was also getting the ball right. Like that well, was my and that, question. And that's exactly what we talked about a few minutes ago about making uh, making adjustments, knowing your personnel. Uh, he, you know, he's our second leading scorer. Um, uh, you know, they shut down their leading scorer, Amir. They got what two points, I think, in the game. Uh, and now you've got uh, you know, this guy going off, and you've got to make an adjustment, especially middle of the second half, uh, you know, when you've got a lead and you're trying to protect it. When he's scoring you know, play after play, they're going to keep going to it until you stop it. And uh, so we were a little slow to make an adjustment, realizing that that's the guy who's hurting us. We have to make an adjustment now, make somebody else step up. And uh, you know, we, like I said, the, the defense was, was slow to recognize that.
Question asked, question answered. Coach Beheim's always right. Oh, my goodness. You don't play for him anymore. You still scared of the guy? <laughs> Listen, see, Paulie, if you were on Syracuse University, you'd be at the end of the bench. You don't, you don't, you don't. Rule number one, Coach asks you to do something, you do it. All right, one more uh, thing before we get to a break and give away some Duke tickets. Uh, Joe Girard, 10 points in the second half. Uh, are you guys at all concerned uh, about his play over the past couple of games? Uh, I, I'm not concerned about his play. He hasn't shot the ball well. Uh, that's the one thing that, if you're talking about one element, when you look at his overall game, I think he's done a very good job of handling pressure. He's done a good job of distributing the ball. Uh, he just, you know, he hasn't shot the ball well. It doesn't look like he's comfortable in his shot. He's quick with his release and not holding his follow through. And uh, but you know, but then he comes back and he hits two, you know, two threes from the parking lot uh, at crucial part of the game. Uh, you know that you know that you know kept us in it, or you know with the with the with that small lead. So you know he's a guy who can shoot you in, shoot you out. Uh, I the, if there's one description that I would you know I I, I hate being called as being streaky, uh, and right now Joe's being a little streaky. He get he can get hot, uh, but he's not shooting the ball consistently well. And I think that's just a, you know again a comfort level. He's still learning the position. You know when to shoot, when to pass, when to drive. And uh, as a result, he doesn't seem as committed to his shots uh, as he could be. And um, you know, as a result, we should, you know, deep three pointers. You don't have to be off by much to get it to roll out. So you know, he's just not getting some of those shots to roll in. But overall, I think he's playing very well. I like that, Paulie. Now you're getting two centers to tell a shooter how to shoot. <laughs> exactly. Very, very interesting. Now, my my take on it is this: he is a shooter. He's a great shooter. Um. And there's there's this old thing, the law of averages. Uh, if I if I had a game where I didn't shoot the ball well, I had a career 64% shooting per, uh, percentage from the field. If I didn't shoot the ball well in warmups, I would go to before the game start and tell everybody, "Hey, listen, get me the ball." Because if or whenever whenever somebody doesn't shoot the ball well, it just means they're they're going to go on a rip because they're a good shooter. They're going to go on a tear. So when you say they're not you're not shooting the ball well. I say he's just winding up to let somebody have it. All right, let's give away some Duke tickets, guys. You guys uh, eat some ginkgo biloba or whatever it is that uh, gets your brain working, and we will give away some Duke tickets. 315-437-7644. I have a pair of Syracuse Duke tickets in my hand. If you're watching on Cute Sports Talk on Twitch, you can see them. I'm waving them at the camera. We will give them away. We'll play Syracuse Duke, uh, Syracuse trivia, guys. Do you think that you should have to get one question right or two questions right in order to give these tickets away? What do Man, you think? I can't believe he just. I can't believe he said we need to drink or take something to get smart. I, I might be in the <laughs> studio before you know it, Paulie. When I'm sitting next to you, it's funny how you never make those uh, references. Exactly. Hmm. What, one or within arm's reach. One or two questions. Do you think we should do? They're Duke tickets. You got to get two right, right? All right, well, we'll go for two. All right, four, three, seven, seven, best two six. out of three. How about that? Okay, Cut, split the day. Best two out of three. Three one five four three seven seven six four four is the number. If you'd like to win Syracuse Duke tickets, Barama Sidibe gracing the tickets. Uh, this is Centers of Attention, brought to you by Fusillo Automotive on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one. This is Centers of Attention. Hour number two of Centers of Attention. I am Paulie, along with Rosie and Danny. 
We got to light up the Burdick Toyota guest line, guys, because we've got a pair of tickets to give away to Duke. Here's the rules of the contest. We'll have two uh, two trivia questions for the people that call in. All right. I will give them the option of picking either Rosie, Danny, or they themselves can answer the questions, but they got to get two out of three questions correct to win tickets to the Duke game. You guys down with us? All right, let's Got see it. how we do. All right, let's go to Dave first. Dave, how are you? I'm good. You ready to answer some trivia questions, or you want Rosie or Danny to do it? Wow, you know those were great players, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on myself here. All right, very All disrespectful. Right, I love the confidence. I like that. <laughs> and Rosie is breathing a sigh of relief. All right. In the national championship season. The regular season started on a, a, a bad note. Who did Syracuse lose to in the first game of the championship season? Memphis. Correct. All right. Here is number two. All right. After uh, Jerry McNamara's run in the AC or the Big East tournament, you, re- you remember the, the run? Jerry leads Syracuse through the Big East tournament. Who did they lose to in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say Texas A&M. You're going to Duke, Dave. That was too easy, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Dave, you definitely did the right thing betting on yourself. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) Awesome job, man. Congratulations. Good for you. Great job. I'm excited. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, he made that way too easy. So we'll put him on hold really quick. Should, should we do it again? And uh, it's not as exciting, but I guess I could give Wake Forest tickets away. Why is, not? What and, it, uh, Aaron, you want to do it for Wake Forest tickets? Sure. Sure? Okay. Here we, yeah. here we go. Go back to the national championship game again. Oh, who do you want? Danny, Rosie, or yourself? Oh, I don't think I'm going to get it. Let's take Danny. Danny, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint here, Danny. That you're gonna it like. Better be, it better be a big hint. It, it is okay. That is your hint. It is a big, big is your hint for uh, okay. for this question. Which player scored the first basket in the national championship game? Ah, uh, somebody big. I'm gonna guess. Yes. Uh, let's see. Who would that be? Uh, I'll go with Akeem. He's big, though. Craig Forth, was the uh, biggest really? of the big. The biggest of the big. The fourth man. Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to take back your person, or you want to try for yourself here, Aaron? Go uh, for, I'm gonna. Go I'm gonna again. I have faith uh, in him. Oh, uh, I was gonna let you bail. Out. <laughs> Hit the eject button. Yeah, maybe I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm gonna give you a list of teams. In 2003, which team did Syracuse not face on their road to the national championship? <laughs> Oklahoma, Alabama, Manhattan, Oklahoma State. Oh boy, you're really getting these. But I got to rub a couple of brain cells together here. Uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma. Oh, they beat Oklahoma State. in Albany. They beat State. Oklahoma State in Boston. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, sorry, Aaron. That's all right. Thank you. Uh, Paul, you suck. What? Get into the era, man. Come on. I'm a... 
<laughs> it was the national championship game. Come don't, on, don't worry, don't worry, Daddy. I got him. I, I think I'm gonna go down there and uh, sit in the studio because he's uh, right. he's getting a little all right, beside I got, himself. All right, he he's gone. All right, I got one more question for the two of you. I'll throw it out okay. to the both of you and see if you guys could get this. 1996, John Wallace hit the game-winning three against Georgia in overtime. Do you know which player on that team hit the tying shot at the buzzer? I was at the airport. And I just arrived from Italy, just been on a 10-hour flight, so uh, you're on your own. Uh, All right, Molly, you got this one. Jason Sapola, you guys are killing me. (laughs) Dude, I was was in the airport. (laughs) I was out of the country. I was out of the country for 11 months. I land, and I look up at the television, and I see... Oh, Syracuse is going to be playing. Then I got on another plane. and uh, Well, I'm glad Dave won the tickets, right? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, I think... I told you, Paulie, the only, you got to give the trivia question where I'm the answer. Then I'll know that one. <laughs> Who out of all of Syracuse's basketball players had the longest NBA career? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Roosevelt Bowie. <laughs> Whose mom came to practice and every time she did said to me... <laughs> You're tall. You're just not as pretty as my nanny. <laughs> and I still been like, you guys, are you guys ready to do quick hitters? We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do quick hitters. We'll go around uh, uh, the sports world and, all right, and hit good. on hit on all the the major topics in sports. This is ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one. This is Centers of Attention. Our number two of Centers of Attention with Roosevelt Bowie, Danny Shays. Roosevelt Bowie mad at me for lots of reasons today. Just for being you. I know. All I did was ask trivia questions, Rosie. I can't well, I can't that, cheat that was, and give you the answers before. No, that's, when you, that's when you started off trying to make us uh, second-guess uh, Coach Beheim, which is... I was not idea. trying to make you second-guess the Hall of Famer. I was questioning how uh, exactly. the zone worked. Potato, potato. It's talk radio, man. You got to go after the Hall of Famer sometimes. Go after him. Got to. Got to. Got to get those Coach phones says ringing. Paulie, Paulie Sabidia. He, he sits right next to you, so when during the <laughs> he game, knows you who just I go, am. Whoosh, he won't just admit swing it. Swing your hand back. Whoosh. All right, we got to go around the uh, league or the, all sports leagues here, guys, and uh, check out what's going on at the Knicks game. Last night, a chant about of, that, huh? a chant of "Sell the team" broke out, and as it was happening, <laughs> as it was happening, the garden slowly made the music louder, <laughs> so that you couldn't hear it. <laughs> so you couldn't hear them chanting "Sell the team" anymore. And it didn't Ooh. work very well, did it? No, they kept. The, the, as the music got louder, the chanting got louder. And that, that's actually what made it even funnier. Uh, you know, Knicks fans long-suffering and uh, clearly blaming the owner, James Dolan, uh, for the team not being chic and hip anymore, losing free agents, of course, to Brooklyn, uh, not losing their New York dominance. And uh, they're not happy about it. And to show you how unhappy they are, they've sold out every game for 20 years. So that just to show you, you know, how, uh, how unhappy they are. Yeah, that uh, that was quite a quite quite funny when uh, when they tried to turn the music up to draw them out because as you know, anytime the fans get loud, they're already you know, they had one or two beers and it gets louder. They get louder. Yeah, something would have blew up there if they didn't stop. Do you think there's anything he can do 
at this point is besides you know besides winning a championship somehow That's with the, the you know without the gar- with the garbage he's got on the court you know is there anything New York can do to save itself here well, the problem is it's no longer hip to go to the Knicks, and that was really shown this summer when the top free agents picked Brooklyn over uh, New York. You know, New York used to you know, be the dominant team. They still, in their mind, are. They just haven't had anything to show for it in the last 20 years. And so uh, you know, now you've got the L.A. battle with the, the Clippers and the Lakers that for the first time ever, both teams are title contenders. Now you're in New York, neither team a title contender. Uh, we'll see if next year, when if Kevin Durant comes back healthy, if that you know, makes the difference in Brooklyn. But the Knicks are nowhere close. And again, they've just lost their cachet. Uh, just like what you've seen in Phoenix. Uh, the ownership there has chased away a bunch of good free agents. They, uh, they're no longer a cool place to go. They don't attract any of the big-time free agents. Uh, and so it's tough to turn that around. You know, New York is one of those crazy teams. Uh, it's like uh, in Europe, the, in Europe, uh, Milan or Bologna are, are the big teams. It's good if you can get there, but it, when you're there, you're under the microscope. So for players... You can't sneeze without somebody knowing what you're doing, and and there, the media is so is so prevalent there that you can't go anywhere where they can't find you. So it's almost like guys being uh, in prison; they've got to like hide out if they want to go out and have a have a good time without being under the microscope. So it's just starting to it's starting to come around. I mean, I've always asked myself, well, why would anybody want to go play for New York? Uh, after uh, you know, once 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 they start putting players under the microscope, then if you're in your right mind, you got a chance to go someplace that's loving players or someplace that wants to look at them under the microscope. Where do you go? You go someplace where you can focus on your game. Let me ask you one more question about New York. I I think it's crazy to think that New York has lost its luster to the players. Is it playing for the Knicks that's lost its luster and not playing in New York? Like, if there was a shakeup in the front office and the ownership, do you think it automatically goes back to being a, a place to play? What's interesting about that is players want to go where they're going to win, right? I mean, you you saw San Antonio as hip. When LeBron was in Cleveland, everyone wanted to be in Cleveland. Sacramento in the 90s when they had Vladi and Chris Webber, and they were a contender. Everybody wanted to go to Sacramento. So it's really not the city. People don't, you know, they realize that they're not going to necessarily live where they've played. And so they want to go someplace that's competing for a championship. So if you look at the teams now that are hot, San Francisco, where, you know, the Warriors move into San Francisco, they can't win a game. You know, nobody's knocking down the door to go play there right now. Uh, right now, L.A.'s hot, but it wasn't when the team sucked. The Lakers couldn't attract a free agent, if you remember, uh, before LeBron went there. So, so much of it is driven by, you know, what team is hot. I, I think that means it's over. So I guess it does. But I, I don't know. I, I think playing in New York would be fun. I think you, if you want to build a brand, there, there's no place you'd rather be than New York. Dusty Baker, the oldest manager in baseball after being hired by the Astros at 70 years old. It, it's an issue, guys, right, when you when you live up to your own first name, right? You're, you're Dusty. Uh, it, is it time for baseball to, like, I, I don't know how to word this, you guys, but they, it seems like the recycling of managers in baseball is getting tedious. Like, well, like how many shots case, can you get? 
this is a case where they had to go with somebody with a reputation. You know, they're coming off you know one of the biggest scandals in the last twenty years. Uh, we were joking earlier in honor of the the Black Sox scandal in the in the you know, nineteen nineteen. We should be calling in the Blackstros, you know, <laughs> because of of being branded now with a cheating scandal. So they had to go with somebody with a with a reputation, you know, with a pristine. Uh, uh, you know, old school reputation, and that's really what's behind that. Not that he's, you know, they wouldn't like somebody, you know, younger, hipper. Uh, but right now, they've got to do some serious damage control. Yeah, that uh, that whole you, you hit it right on the head. They had to go old school, where men were men, say what you mean, mean what you say. And the other thing is, if you go young, and you start, I've I've always asked myself if one if one team or two teams were doing it. Uh, I'm pretty sure somebody else was doing it too, and it's going to shake out in the laundry. And then what happens? Uh, you got a new guy down there, and you got to change again. Then people start questioning your ability to choose managers. Continuing on, we made it before the horn that time, guys. Deion Sanders. <laughs> Deion I know, because Rosie, Rosie jumps out of a seat every time that horn goes <laughs> off. He still hasn't figured out what that is coming. I think this... Yeah, I th- Go ahead, but this is the deal though. Pa- Paulie's turned the volume up on my headset. I think he's trying to get at me because nobody moves except me. <laughs> Watching you, Paulie. It's the same I, level for all of us, Rosie. I, I actually, Rosie, sure I, think it is. I think he's wired electric shock into the seat of your chair. <laughs> that's that's what's happened. Just for a little little bonus boost. I don't get exactly. where this is coming from, Rosie. You're taking things very personally today. Like I, oh, do, I do you feel oh, like I have a vendetta something or something? Did you do something? something? In your eye, Rose? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all right. I better have another okay. sip of green green tea. It calms me. Do you, there you go. I feel like you may be having a guilty conscience. Did you do something that I should be mean to you? No. If I had a guilty conscience, you'll come on the air. You'll be taped to that chair with duct tape. <laughs> Deion Sanders has said too many people are in the NFL Hall of Fame. I feel like this is a all around sport problem. Are the are the Hall of Fames becoming too lenient in who they're letting in? I think what's happened is they've got rid of, you know, they, they've already gone through all the, like, the old-time guys who, you know, the classic, you know, old-time heroes, and now you're, you know, putting in guys who you remember, right? And so it, uh, uh, you know, it's tougher because you're trying to compare eras, you're trying to compare performances, and, uh, you know, now they're going for guys, you know, younger and younger, the first ballot guys, and it does seem to... Uh, you know, in his mind, take a little luster off. Although, uh, I think the way it was framed, he was kind of taking a shot at Eli Manning because uh, they're talking about him as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I, I don't think uh, Dion agrees with that. And I think that the, you know, that that was what was behind it in, in this case. You know, it, it's kind of funny because when you start talking about Hall of Famers, it, it should be it, the Hall of Fame is for the finale. When you start putting in guys that are just above the line, it's uh, you know the, it kind of defeats the purpose of having the Hall of Fame. Um, he's you can be a great player, you can be a great player and have a great career, but you're not a Hall of Famer. So um, I, I understand what he's talking about, and hopefully he wasn't just being uh, petty and throwing darts at, at someone in particular. But he makes a regardless of what his point was, it it makes sense what he's what he's talking about. Uh, once you don't want it to be so watered down that you like, you walk into a bar and you're like, "Yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer," and the guy next to you, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of defeats the purpose. Well, let's look at the NBA Hall of Fame. Well, it's really the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not NBA specific. Uh, so this year, they're talking about it could be the greatest year ever. You've got uh, Tim Duncan eligible. You've got Kobe Bryant eligible. You've got Kevin Garnett 
eligible guys who are who you consider first ballot Hall of Famers, right? Who just jump out at you like duh. Then you get a guy like Chris Bosh, who you go, well, I mean, on paper, you know, he was uh, whatever it was, seven, eight-time All Star, twenty-point a game scorer. But does that make him a Hall of Famer? You know, you can't have the discussion without naming names, frankly, because then you got to say, you know, uh, you know, Chris Bosh, yeah, All Star player, but does that uh, to get Rosie's point? Does that make him a Hall of Fame player? Eli Manning, you know, five hundred for, for his career at regular season. Does that you know, played a long time? Two Super Bowl MVPs. Where you know what's the criteria? And it gets a little. You know, that's where it gets a little dicey. And uh, you know, going to Dion's point, a rumor has broken on uh, on the interwebs, as the kids would say, that the new Seattle NHL team's nickname will be the Kraken, which I think is a great hockey name. Uh, guys, your thoughts? Uh, well, I think that could be a. Uh, uh, you know, certainly a great merchandising name, you know, Kraken being the deep sea monster, of course. Uh, of course, we, we might open up a lot of Kraken in the ice jokes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but uh, number one, I, I'm thrilled that Seattle is getting a, uh, a team. They should also obviously have an NBA team. We won't go there. Uh, but, no, I think, I think that's a very cool name. Always, I, I'm always intrigued how they pick names. Uh, but, I, but I like Kraken. I think that's uh, also one of my favorite roller coasters uh, down at uh, uh, you know, down at Bush Gardens in Florida. You know, it really makes me laugh because uh, you know I live in Kendall, New York, which is in the middle of the country, and uh, all my family members leave before dark because they think the Kraken is going to get them. <laughs> so when I saw the name, the Kraken popped up, I was like, "Oh, that's going to make a lot of people happy." My family's going to say, "See, I told you." It's not just in Kendall; they're out there on the West Coast. All right. Kraken, it's uh, it's it, it means something. Seattle. Scary. Seattle PR, if you're listening to me, I got a brilliant idea. All right, those those giant giant pictures of people's heads that they hold up at games in the stadiums. All right, all right, you hear me out. I'm the, with you. The crackheads. Ooh, that'll be their that'll be their uh, student section. The crackheads. All right, guys, we've got to take another quick time out. We'll be back uh, with more talk on Syracuse Duke and one more uh, college basketball story before we get out of here on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Welcome. This is Centers of Attention. Now I can go. Welcome back to Centers of Attention. I am Pauly along with... Roosevelt Bowie and Danny Shays, guys, just wanted to congratulate the the fine folks at the Syracuse City School District who won our uh, Dunkin' Donuts party nice. yesterday. So, so nice. they will be uh, having a lot of uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, delivered to them on Monday uh, after the Super Bowl. Uh, Am I delivering them? Am uh, I them no, to- I feel bad because we promised that like a, an ESPN host was going to give them the prize, right? And the guy comes to get to win the prize, and I was the only one here. So it was like, you can get a picture taken with the New York Yankee, and it's the third base coach or the bat boy. So he got here, so he had to have his picture taken with me of him, me handing him the gift. So it was, well, we'll it was get a, you one of the, we'll get you one of those big heads of Rosie. So next time that happens, <laughs> you can stand behind Rosie's big head and uh, do it that way. All right, we'll be back with more Centers of Attention tomorrow, 10 a.m. for hour number one with Danny and Seth Everett. 
The Alan Griffith Show up next. If you head out to Atilio's right now, you can register to win Duke tickets. So go grab lunch with, with the guys, and you could win tickets to Syracuse Duke at Atilio's.